Listen for what the Spirit is saying to the church today. Now, about eight days after these sayings, Jesus took with him Peter and John and James and went up on the mountain to pray. And while he was praying, the appearance of his face changed and his clothes became dazzling white. And suddenly they saw two men, Moses and Elijah, talking to him. They appeared in glory and were speaking of his departure, which he was about to accomplish at Jerusalem. Now Peter and his companions were weighed down with sleep, but since they had stayed awake, they saw his glory and the two men who stood with him. Just as they were leaving, Peter said to Jesus, Master, it's good for us to be here. Let us make three dwellings, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah, not knowing what he said. While he was saying this, a cloud came and overshadowed them, and they were terrified as they entered the cloud. When the voice had spoken, Jesus Then from the cloud came a voice that said, This is my Son, my Chosen. Listen to him. And when the voice had spoken, Jesus was found alone. And they kept silent. And in those days, told no one any of the things they had seen. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Let us pray. Mysterious holy God, as we have heard your word, transfigure our eyes to see your truth at work in and around us. Transfigure our hearts to receive your grace and your commands. Transfigure our hands and feet that we may participate in your mission of salvation. And may the words of my mouth and the thoughts of all gathered here bring you glory. Amen. Being from Georgia, where snow is uncommon and the warmth of spring has already taken the mild winter chill from the air, it is 75 degrees at home today. Pennsylvania is enduring cold and snow through March and into April. April strikes me as excessive, maybe even a little rude. Most seasons get three months. But winter shows up early and stays late. But even when winter overstays its welcome, I am still, I confess, enchanted by the snow, especially when it has just fallen and all is quiet in the city. Before the plows have done their work, when everywhere you look, the snow is pristine, undisturbed, Buildings, trees, and streets are all peaceful and proud in matching snowy uniform. Before footsteps disrupt and the dogs bound out the door and get a hold of it, all is changed from its familiar state, transfigured, dazzling white. Even as Ellen and I have to then contemplate work and childcare and muddy boots and canceled plans, I am transfixed by the transfiguration of what was moments ago so familiar. 
Jesus went up on the mountain to pray. It is night. Peter and his companions were weighed down with sleep since they had stayed awake. A dreamlike world appears before them, only it is real. And of this they can be sure because they all saw it, corroborating witnesses of an unbelievable scene. A transfiguration, a cameo appearance by two long-deceased giants in the faith, a spectral conversation. There was a terrifying cloud cover and a disembodied commanding voice. What was revealed was so mysterious, so holy, so terrifying that mere human witnesses were struck silent in those days and told no one any of the things they had seen. I'm not sure Jesus' motivation in taking the men with him, but he made the statement a few days earlier that some of those who were standing with him would see the kingdom of God before they died. Perhaps this is what Peter, James, and John witnessed on the verge of sleep, a vision of the future hope, a glimpse of the promise, a view of glory. They watched the silhouette of Jesus kneeling in prayer, obscured by the darkness of night, as their eyelids drooped and then forced open again and drooped and heads bobbed into sleep. And then, suddenly, light. They rubbed their eyes as the man they knew to be Jesus, the one they hoped to be their savior, was changed somehow. It was definitely him. They could feel the same presence of the man who uh, walked with them, broke bread with them, fished with them, healed and taught. But his face was changed. Luke says Jesus' face became other. One scholar suggests perhaps the otherness, the the transfiguration, was a glimpse at Jesus' true self. His clothes were also changed, dazzling, glistening white. This was not just a, a change in appearance, it was a revelation. Revealed here in Jesus on this mountain is a reality that is present all of the time, yet only for this moment actually seen. You know, a fresh snow has a way of cleaning up the place, doesn't it? At least for a little while, like, like throwing a cloth over a banged up table makes uh, with clean beauty the reality underneath uh, unseen. Snow covers dirty sidewalks, it fills potholes. Enough snow, even on a pile of garbage by the street, looks like a pretty little stone. But what amazes me isn't just what snow hides, it's what it reveals. Snow covering a barren tree suddenly brings awareness and light to every single little branch and twig on the tree. The snow that we've recently had points out every little bud which has formed on the branches of our dogwood. 
It lands on the long, delicate blooms of the witch hazel, making the bright yellow shine against the accent of fresh white snow. For a few moments, every leaf gets to wear the most beautiful white hat, like the ladies used to wear to church. Snow falls on little shoots of green poking out of the ground, signals of the promise of spring on the way that I would have missed if not for the snow's undiscriminating attention to detail. Snow has a way of uncovering what has been there all along, pointing out quiet little glories all around. But of course, only for a brief moment. Then it falls away, collects the dirt, it melts and returns all to its original state. But for those few moments, glory is revealed. The three disciples see Jesus, but not as they normally saw the Son of Man. They saw him in his glory. In this moment where reality seems suddenly undone, dreamlike, otherworldly, it simply reveals what has been true of Jesus all along. But they saw his glory. Sometimes snow has a way of revealing the glory all around us. Sometimes a sunset has a way of revealing the glory of the heavens that are always there. Sometimes sitting at lunch with someone or in the waiting room of a hospital reveals somehow a glory, a glory all around us all the time. Peter, James, and John also see the glory of Moses and Elijah. They are both major figures in Israel's tradition, and they both died long before Jesus. But revealed in their glory, talking with Jesus, were two humans, two human beings who had once died, but are here alive. It's pretty common to wonder about what happens after we die. To wonder what heaven is like. What are, what are we going to be like when we get there? What is eternal life going to be like all of the time? And I, I've said that until someone goes to heaven and comes back to tell us we don't have a whole lot to go on. But right here are two men who have been to heaven standing on a mountain in all of their glory, talking to Jesus about his own exodus. Peter, James, and John were brought there as witnesses, and while they don't give the details of what they heard, what is revealed should give us some comfort, should give us some hope about what is to come. See, first, Moses and Elijah are alive. They are alive in glory. Death was not their end. Death is not the end for Jesus, and the promise is that we too rise in glory. Revealed here in this moment is the promise of resurrection. Second, even though there were no pictures or portraits of Moses and Elijah those 2,000 years ago, Peter, James, and John knew immediately who they were. They recognized them. Their identities as unique children of God are recognizable in their glory. When we enter into glory, I suppose that we too will experience some change, some transfiguration. 
but into our glory, recognized as our true self. So too for those loved ones who go on before us to enter the church in heaven, we will recognize them as Peter, James, and John recognize Moses and Elijah, and it will be glory. In death, if not in this life, we are recognized We are welcomed, and it will be glory. All is made whole. All will shine. Luke gives us a glimpse of holy transfiguration, I think perhaps to spark our hope and our imagination about what is to come. And the assurance is of redolent light, incarnate beauty, holy community. In the presence of this glory, Peter, who's so human, he wants to do something. Let's build, he suggests. Let's build a three tents for you three. Maybe he wants to hang on to this moment, wants this view of heaven to stick around, doesn't want this beauty to go away. Peter doesn't know what he's saying. He's just talking. And I can relate But this isn't a moment to do or to grab or to control or to blab. It's a moment to accept, to receive, to be assured and to listen. This is my son, my chosen. Listen to him. And here is our task today. To be assured the glory of God is all around us. But it takes a good measure of hope and faith to see it. The word glory in Greek, it has another meaning. The word that means splendor and glory, it it also means dignity. Dignity. What Jesus brings to the world reveals the glory. It reveals the dignity of every person and all of creation. While this moment of transfiguration reveals the glory of Jesus as the Son of God, and it reveals the glory of our future hope to rise in body as He rose, this moment of transfiguration also reveals the dignity of all people and all creation, which has been present all along. If only we would recognize it, if we had the eyes to see The presence of Jesus and his Holy Spirit gives us the eyes to see as God transfigures our present reality like a fresh snow, drawing our awareness to the beautiful details, the signs of hope for a bright future, the dignity of what may often be ignored. The way the Holy Spirit takes common bread and wine and through them, these common things glorifies them, glorifies us, lifts us into a heavenly banquet table with choirs of angels and through them a feast, a foretaste of a feast to come. It happens right here in this moment, glorified. The power of the Spirit invites us to see a new reality. We no longer fixate on imperfections, but are captivated by beauty, glory, and dignity. 
Transfiguration is not the covering of what we do not like. It is the unveiling of what we often seem incapable of seeing through our criticisms and fears and and frustrations and anxieties and doubts. Jesus demonstrated that in every person he encounters, he sees more than what others see. He values them more than they even value themselves. The three disciples are given a glimpse of what it looks like to see through Jesus' eyes. As the Apostle Paul says, all of us, all of us with unveiled faces, seeing the glory of the Lord as though reflected back to us in a mirror, being transformed into the same image from one degree of present glory into another glory. And this comes from the Lord, he says, the Spirit. Jesus doesn't need Peter to build tents to capture the glory of a departed saints. He's showing Peter that all of us, he's showing all of us that glory is present in the world now. Jesus came to make whole. And what he did was reveal by word and deed dignity and glory in every body, every soul, every tree and bird. As snow as a way of pointing out the individual twig and leaf and future flower, so the glory of Jesus shines to bring our attention to the dignity of every thread of creation, every breath of life. Often the Christian church today is a bit like Peter that day, with the impulse that to honor God we must build something that can contain the glory of heaven. But we don't need to build anything. We need simply to recognize that the glory of God is all around us. If we want to see the glory of God, to feel the warmth of that embrace, then we need but notice and honor the dignity of every person. See them infused with the glory of Christ. We need to treat creation with dignity to see the mountains shine with the glory of heaven. We need only accept the reality that we too, we too bear the image of God and we too are transfigured into glory. In a world increasingly lonely, hopeless, isolated, alienated, where work is life and family and community are fractured, the task of the followers of Jesus is to give hope, to be the fresh snow bringing awareness back to the beauty and the hope. We are to be a holy community that transfigures a world prone to division and despair. And so that is what we aspire to be, to honor, to to point to as a beacon of light here in Allison Hill. That we, Christ Lutheran Church, lifted by that same Holy Spirit, are always accepting of the dignity of God's people in a transfigured, special, sacred place of healing. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.